Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Between Two Studs. I'm Alex Studd. And today for episode 41, I almost said 31, Ron. 41, we have on the show um, an awesome local musician here in Chicago, Fury. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, as the beginning of our show, as we always do this, Fury, I don't know if you know this, I, haven't, I don't know if you've heard it, listened to any episodes, but we are officially sponsored by Malort, the greatest beverage of Chicago. And so we nice. always we always pay homage to Malort. We pay homage to our guest by cheers. having a shot of Malort to you. So cheers to you. Thank you. Now, I got to ask Fury, sometimes... When we do this, we, we have guests, obviously, from all over. And so sometimes we have guests where, like, I've never heard of Malort. You're obviously, you know, Chicago. You live in Chicago. You're more Chicagoan than pretty much anyone we've had on the show. What's your take on Malort? Be honest. Um, You know, I actually, I'm a simple girl. Uh, So last night I was drinking PBR. So oh. I don't even think I'm that qualified to... <laughs> I love judge. it. Uh, you said shot. I was like, sure, I'm with it. I'm just the type like, yeah, I'll try a shot of this, shot of that. So I feel like that's a true Chicago girl. Um, there you go. That is true. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. So strap up. We are entering into the Ember Round. And, you know, it's interesting, Fury, and I, I was thinking about this. We have our normal list of questions, right, that we always ask every one of our guests. And believe it or not, I believe you are the first guest that we've had on the program that we haven't met in person in yep, any capacity. So. Am I right in saying that, Ron? So, Fury, we know you through another guest of the show, Dan Pogo. So I, I'm going to tweak the question around a little bit. Normally we ask the guests, how do you know us? Obviously, you know us through Dan Pogo. How do you know Dan Pogo? Wow. So I met Dan on the set of my music video, I Won't, which I shot in 2018. So it's been a while. Um, and he was there. He was one of those people who just kept the energy high. So music, a song might be three minutes, but trust, a music video could take 12 hours mm -hmm. to shoot. Um, so I think when Dan, by the time he came around, it was in the late afternoon. We had been shooting all day. So my steam was kind of running out because it's such a high energy song and Dan came right on along and just started blasting <laughs> Polish music. I, I started saying, wait a minute, we're here with Fury. I'm on a music video set. Um, he just treated me like I was already at the Grammys. So from, from the jump and uh, that really definitely helped finish the day strong. Uh, the video was awesome and we stayed connected. Now he actually helped me get in contact with people at Hairpin Art Center, and now I run an open mic, a weekly open mic out of there. So Pogo, <laughs> the name speaks for itself. Pogo has been nonstop, just support, nonstop, just love and energy, great energy. So Dan's just one of those people I'm glad came into my life because um, he won't stop, you know, promoting Fury, no matter where he is. <laughs> um, I think he, he there was an event at Hairpin, and he sends me a picture and it's my friend Taylor from Taylor's Tacos. Like, and I'm like, how did this conversation come up to where you guys both know Fury? So I'm just thinking he's out there like, yeah, today's a nice day. Have you ever that heard of Fury? Awesome. Um, you should this rep. And he's <laughs> totally, he's totally the kind of guy who does that. So I believe it. He is that, the biggest champion. Biggest champion of everybody. 
I love it because we all need a pogo. And uh, just thinking about it makes me think of bouncing around everywhere, just pogoing. But uh, it's true. It's, it's the same difference. I love that. Everyone needs a pogo in their life. We have ours. There you go. He's going to have that yeah. slogan on a, on a mask or something soon. I can see it. Shoot, yeah. That, I think we need to yeah, reach out to we need to reach out to Dan and like say, like that needs to be on a campaign bumper sticker. Everybody needs a pogo. Right? Oh. He's I ours. hear it. I feel the more you say it. He like, just has a way of connecting. Oh, just, right. Why don't the, like you one? said, the energy. I like. I've never met him in person, but my goodness, on this on the episode that he came on, like phenomenal presence and just love that. So uh, changing yeah. gears a little bit, uh, Fury, tell us a little bit about yourself and what are some of your passions and interests. Definitely music, but art in general. I'm passionate about. 2020 definitely had us all re, reanalyzing, recalibrating. And one thing I got into uh, was school, and I became part of a program, the Odyssey Project, mm -hmm. which is through UIC. It's a humanities program for college credits, and it's free. Uh, they offer it to people from the West Side, South Side. Oh, wow. Yeah, and one of the classes is like art history. There's critical thinking stuff. You know, I, I didn't go to right. college, so I was like, now's the time. It's not too late. And I had nothing but time. So I started going and it's it's really changed my outlook. It's gotten me more dedicated to be in, you know, art centers and art, you know, around creatives. So that's something I'm definitely passionate about. I'm a big kid at heart, so I love cartoons. All What's your favorite cartoon? Simpsons. 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 Go Simpsons mm -hmm. Then then uh King yep. of the Hill. Then probably like Boondocks. Uh, you like Futurama? Archer, you know. Future, they're bringing it back yet again. I love it. They, they're, I think they're going to bring it back again. You know, it's in. Yes. No. So, you know, we can't let our shows go at all. We're the type. Well, we especially when it's a cartoon. That's one of the cool things. It's like the show it's can like, just uh, continue. And you're like, because I feel like, you know, you think about like yeah. a show like Married with Children, right? Like you can only go so far with the children. But like with The Simpsons, they're not growing up. Yeah. Right. They grow and up. It, yeah. It's forever. And it's kind of scary, though, because we grew up. I can remember right. being Lisa's age. Um, now I have a daughter who's, you know, she's a little older than Lisa now. But I remember when she was eight, and I'm just like, yeah. and I'd be watching Simpsons with her, like, what is happening? <laughs> I keep growing. I keep, but so that that's something we had to come yeah. to terms with. Uh, we do change. Um, we do get older, but we can still, we can still have it here, enjoy it. I've loved seeing, yeah. like, Simpsons grow into right. the show it is today it is is really tripped out just to see the references mm -hmm. or to like actually understand it as an adult to watch episodes yeah. from the 90s as a 30 something year old is like <laughs> what we were watching right. this. I, you were like oh watch it not have been watching I, it's this. so true but, you're like oh i totally missed those jokes yeah. oh I, they all well, hit my, now like, my daughter she <laughs> wants to, she so saw funny. it on disney plus so she's like oh there's simpsons i want to watch that and i'm like no you don't get to watch it yet She's like, but I'm like, there's so many other shows, but yeah, I mean, I remember watching it at her age, so I probably am being a bit of a hypocrite, it, but you're right. There's so many jokes that you definitely, yeah. And kids, they still don't get, like, I've watched it with my daughter, but I can definitely see how yeah. my parents are probably like, no, you're not going to watch this. Yeah. Um. But it still goes over their heads, like especially the early ones. They don't. Yep, yep. They just love the the yellow. Everybody's yellow. Um, <laughs> to them, all they know is SpongeBob. I'm like, hold on. Right. 
Yellow was yeah, cool. Before this predates SpongeBob. SpongeBob. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Doesn't it hurt to say predates? <laughs> well, and so listen, Fury, this leads, you know, you're just talking about creatives, right? You're talking about music. You're talking about art. And to me, film, television, that's all a form of art, right? It really is. So we always ask a question. I'm, I'm skipping one. We'll come back to the other. But it goes hand in hand, right? Like one of the questions we always ask our guests is name a piece of art, which, again, can be anything, right, that somehow speaks to you or represents you in some way, shape or form. And tell us about it. Okay, so I chose this song that I came across very recently, probably like three months ago, three, four months ago. And it's actually a song by Suzanne Shanbaum with other members of the Berkeley Women's mm. Collective. So this mm. is, is probably from the 60s. Mm. And the song is called Fury. And sometimes I'll randomly like be kind of Googling the name and you'd be amazed how many Furies there are, how much different. Sure. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's not a new name it's just different people do different things with it um and this song hit me <laughs> like a ton of bricks it's like folky folk music but the stories it would tell they were talking about was was definitely ways that i have felt throughout life um just to be oh. a woman especially a black woman in a world where you kind of feel like well mm -hmm. you know for certain if this was not made for you <laughs> and just the constant reminders are enough to make someone furious, you know, just what they did to women, especially women who they knew were gay. That's what the song's about is um, a man misgendering me and calling me son just because I have short hair. Like, you know, I'm a woman, but you're just trying right. to be condescending. And it was just the words. That's when the fury, the fury, it comes over me. And that was the first time I really just felt the name so much because it's really a, a feeling, you know, everybody expects me to be fury when I show up and they're like, oh my God, she smiles, look at those cheeks, you know, they're just like, oh, what, what could she be mad about? And there's then they give me rap yeah. and they're like, ooh, oh, <laughs> okay, there's, yeah, I yeah. should be mad too, or I should, you know, I should do something because it, it comes over all of us. We all get to that point where, um, no way, enough is enough. I don't want to stand for this. And it is a feeling that kind of passes through you. And it's like, when you have that energy, what are you going to do with it? You know, how are you going to make sure you're not stuck in this state of anger? Because that's something I had to learn is that fury is not sustainable. I don't want to be yeah. mad all the time. It's really, it's not a personality trait. It's, um, it's an emotion you're feeling to tell you, you know, something needs to change. And that's when I started becoming just more in tune. And I actually kind of changed my name. I would just spell just the letters, but... 2020, when I had all that time to think, I actually wanted the letters to stand for something. And I chose mm -hmm. finally understanding the real you. That's kind of what I wanted to break down to because I just had to realize, yeah, I like doing music, but it's more than that. It's my therapy. It's an outlet in a world that's kind of just driving me crazy. Nonstop, even though I say, oh, no, I don't like that. Some people still press certain issues. Right. Um, and it's kind of a way of fighting back. Well, and it's definitely um, tough, too. Without fighting. Like, there's so many times where just various things kind of come up and they can really really get under your skin you know to you know not no pun intended there but it, it's like there's a lot of just different issues and i think if anything everyone being home during the pandemic i think in some ways really kind of catalyzed a lot of people really being one way or the other way and it's like and i think what 
what I think has really been maybe a frustrating part kind of as somebody on the side as well is we also need to be able to have conversations with people, right? Even if somebody disagrees, I think one of the most fury, infuriating things, you know, as well is that, you know, the people who sometimes get things, they get it. And the people that don't, you can't even find a commonality to say, well, we can at least agree on this or we can. And it just it can be very frustrating because you just kind of almost can lose faith in others because you're like, how is it you just don't get that? And that, yeah, I can totally get where the emotions can kind of, but, but yeah, uh, sorry. It's kind of. And I think, no, it's no, you're good. I, I totally understand what you mean. But as I have matured, I used to be ready to fight all day, argue all day, debate, you know, but then you just realize people are in, are in different places in their life at different times. There's times where I remember being in high school and never getting along with English teachers um, just because we couldn't connect. You know, I was a young black girl. They were older white men. I'm like, you know, <laughs> F Ray Bradbury. You know, I didn't care. I'm just like, this does not Fair connect enough. with Four me. Fahrenheit 451? Are you kidding me? That's what that's what I'm jumping to now. 33, and the only thing that gets me through my office shifts are audiobooks. So I already just finished uh, Fahrenheit, you know, 451. Just the short stories, Stephen King, but I I, I love Ray Bradbury mm-hmm. now. Like I love the Twilight Zone. So, but I couldn't take it in at fourteen. I couldn't take it in at thirteen right. just because I wasn't you know open to it. I was like, I don't see how this appeals to me. And that's what I try to tell myself. Like when I'm arguing with someone or we can't see eye to eye, I'm just like we're in two different places right now. This person hasn't seen what I've seen. They haven't, you know, had my experiences. I used to be quick to just say, you're an idiot, walk off. But after the Trump years, you you can't just leave people, you know, yeah. with no discourse, no back and forth. So I can say, hey, this isn't working right now. Let's stop. Even if we don't have to connect, it doesn't mean I, I have to keep attacking you or I'm not understanding that, hey, this isn't for you. And I really stopped explaining a lot i feel like the older i get kind of know who who's with you and who's not at that moment and you just stop trying to win the world you just kind of try to find people who are on that same wavelength Mm -hmm. who and some people change their mind they're just like super conservative at one point then they'll get liberal or they're liberal as they're younger they'll have kids and get super conservative so i realize right now in my life i'm probably more liberal but who knows in 20 years things can change so um and i think that's the part of like finally understanding the real you it's really kind of a joke (laughs) because there's no real you this is like you right now well information you know yeah i I think it's it's infuriating because you'll never be there you'll never get there i think it's really well said fury because i i really do believe and this goes back even to the simpsons earlier right like like art and its impact on us can change significantly mm-hmm. based on where we are in our lives, right? As we go through different stages and have different experiences. Um, I wasn't interested in Ray Bradbury when I was in high school either, right? And and it's interesting how, as time comes on, I mean, looking at The Simpsons now versus in the 90s, right? And and still being able to, to get something out of it. And I think what's interesting, too, is that the example you brought up, if I heard you correctly, that was... You said it was written in the 60s at the, at the University of Berkeley in California. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you think about, mm-hmm. okay, 60s, 
Berkeley, which, you know, great university. It's also a very wealthy part, very liberal part of the country. And it's like, here we go 50 years later. It's having a huge impact on someone who grew up in Chicago, right? Like, think about, like, that's amazing to me that um, how art can transcend so many things, right? And so many different generations and personalities and differences. And uh, you never know it might come back right where it might come full circle and who might appreciate Absolutely. who might appreciate your work right that we'll touch about later in the show but work that you're doing today who knows how it might be consumed and digested in 50 years from now and it might be be listening to and appreciated by by people you never anticipated that would appreciate your music right it's amazing Absolutely. No, that is is so cool. And a lot of people may not know I'm a huge jazz fan. So when they hear me rap, they hear me rap to certain beats. Um, they timing. They are just so fascinated by how many syllables I use or the cadence. And I'm like, that's that's from jazz. That's from yeah. You know, my mentors are like Ella Fitzgerald. Yeah. Oh, and you I love guess, Ella. You know. Woo, just like the best freestyler. Now, that's the ultimate freestyler improvisation. So, but just the funness of jazz. The and jazz was the rap of its time. They they downed it. They were just like, what? It's just noise. And these horns aren't supposed to sound this violent, aggressive. So I think it's funny when you'll hear older people, you know, talking about rap because yeah. it's like they didn't like your jazz right. and your, right. your hoochie coochie music, you know, juke joint music. So. It's true. Every generation, every generation downs the one. Yeah. Right. And and it's and it's ironic, too, because that previous music in the case of music, but it could be any type of literature is in many ways paying homage because it all right to the older content and just giving it its new flair. Right. Especially in music. No, especially music. So absolutely. And I think it's just a a combination and it's going to keep pouring in. But when I pick up the pen. That is definitely on my mind. It's like, what message am I putting out there? It's a reflection of me. I want to be remembered for being dope. And that every time you heard a Fury verse or worked with Fury, it was a dope experience. She really brought me in and gave her all. I don't think I've ever done a verse where I took it easy or no, I want to kill it every time. That's just because this is, it's a legacy you're leaving. Whether it is a painting, a podcast, you are putting something down that can be reproduced, rebroadcast, and you never know how it's going to be taken in. You hope it's well-received or that it does spark some kind of conversation. And that's what separates us from, from animals or barbarians is that we take the time to step out of ourselves. I think if you're around people who just think like you, if you're just going along and you haven't argued with anybody in a year, something's wrong. That means you are just in just the two small circle. You need to be button heads because you don't want to fall into this complacent, safe, too safe space. You know, those are the animals you look up and they got, you know, yeah. issues because they've just been sitting around on this log all day. There was no hunt. There was no drive. There was no, you know, nothing really motivating them. And I, I think that you should push yourself into un- uncomfortable room situations, not necessarily dangerous, but get uncomfortable. That's that's what made me make huge changes in my life is being forced or stuck mm-hmm. in a corner um, and having to fight my way out. And I just don't want to get to a place where, okay, I'm comfortable, I'm safe. Now I'm just going to worry about me. 
and no one else. I'm straight. Um, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. I so agree. And I, I think one of the things that I think Ron and I learned at a pretty young age is um, we know what our experience was like, right? We grew up in rural America, middle class. And it's like, I know that experience. Why would I want to only hang out with people from that same experience? To me, right. what is exciting uh, and enriching is when I meet people who had completely different experiences, completely different li- lives, because their perspective yeah. isn't different than mine, and we can learn from one another. And that doesn't mean we have to agree on everything, but at least there's an understanding being able to come to the same table and say, I might disagree, but I understand yeah. where you're coming from. Absolutely. Even in, I, I think we need to be less agreeable. I feel like we're getting to a scary point. You know, Trump is one ex- extreme, but there are like other extremes to where you're just accepting everything because you don't want to offend anyone. You you just don't want to speak up because you don't want to, you know, seem offensive. But that's another way that things can get to a dangerous level of, you know, just no discernment at all. We don't want to get to that either. I want I want people to be able to express themselves either way, what they feel, whether it's liberal or conservative, because that's the only way we're going to keep things from getting too crazy. Mm. If, if we're just walking on eggshells all the time, I don't see how we can really build foundations to change all the crap we're fighting against. Like yeah. we're going to have to <clears throat> get messy. You know, that is the only way. I, I don't know any clean revolutions. I've been mm-hmm. watching them, but PBS for the last two years, and they're all dirty. They're all nasty. They're all messy and ugly. But something beautiful comes uh, from that battle, from that struggle. And, and that is the ultimate goal, mm-hmm. is to make, make sure our kids struggle less. Right. And it seems like it's more of a subconscious, underground struggle. It's not in your face. It's just this kind of feeling where you're like, oh, man, that was weird. Why do I feel weird after that interaction? So, like, that's something that these kids struggle to get in tune with. Like, I'm around someone who's trying to make me uncomfortable. How do I get back to safe? Um, And these kids are very in tune with that. They know um, when something's wrong, and they're quick to say, hold on, wait a minute. And we, you know, joke sometimes. That's because people my age, we didn't really get a chance to we were like right at the at the border, you know, when stuff started changing. So we're our parents are still from the 50s and 60s, but now these kids, their parents are from the 80s and 90s. So it, it's like very different, but I'm young enough to where I was able to change. I saw these changes happen in real time. So it wasn't hard for me to start saying, you know, pronouns and, and just, just learn all this new new society stuff um, that needed to happen that were driving people crazy for centuries because they couldn't express themselves or they weren't feeling like what they looked like on the outside and it was affecting people so i'm glad that these conversations are here i'm glad there's classes coming you know just a way to to know that hey this isn't what you know i thought this isn't what Mm-hmm. I was told, um, but we can learn. We can unlearn. Well, like unlearning is hard. <laughs> and I, we should, as a, as a society, never be comfortable with the status quo, right? Like what, that's a that's a terrible thing when everyone just yeah. oh we've made enough advances. We don't need to keep can't just going. let it kind of that, and yeah. That's a huge mm-hmm. problem, and I think it's actually to me. Uh, I remember having a, a professor told me this once. It's like, 
one of the best attributes of humanity is that we die. And that might sound crazy, but that's how progress is made, right? Like there's going to be a day. I think I'm pretty progressive, Fury, but there's going to be a day where I'm the old crotchety person and it's probably going to be a good day when I die because the next generation will be a little bit more progressive, a little bit more understanding of the timing of what's happening in the world that I won't have context to. And, and so I, I think one of the, sounds terrible, it sounds morbid, but one of the ways that humanity advances is that people come in, you're, you're in power, right? You're a leader for a certain amount of time, and then you get out of the way. You let, you let the next group come in. So Absolutely. And I think that is the issue, um, especially in my community, Black community. That's something we struggle, the passing on, passing the torch. That's something we have definitely had issues with. Um, politicians who have been in place 50 years, you know, we're not saying that they didn't do great things, but clearly yeah. you don't want to admit that you're out of touch. You don't want to admit that, you know, I've started doing community work since 2020 and, and I've spoken with leaders on the West side who, who will admit, you know, I'm tainted or I don't, I don't see what you guys see. Um, and that's because they may have been screwed over. They may have saw progress coming mm -hmm. so close and then people pull out, people, you know, back, back. It's uh, they've been lied to too many times. They see us like fresh, new, really thinking we're going to do something. And that's probably what they sounded like in the 60s. Right. Yeah. And, and one of the books I read, you know, since the pandemic was um, a book called Meridian by mm -hmm. Alice Walker. She's the writer of The Color Purple. Mm. But she writes this book uh, called Meridian, and it's about the ugly side of the struggle. I feel like so mm -hmm. many people have romanticized the civil rights movement. They don't talk about, or even the Black Panther movement, Black Power, they don't talk about the aftermath. They don't talk about, you know, how these movements were broken apart, how people were broken down. Um, they were killed. They were, you know, lost family members. So it went from just the 70s, super soul Black, Next, you know, the 80s is super conservative and you just got, you know, it's it's more corporate. It's more. Yeah. Um, yeah. It got kind of cheesy. <laughs> you know, if you watched, you know, the big, it goes from super militant to everybody. They're, they're just jazzercising and, or whatever they're doing with the Suzanne Summers, and, you know? And, yeah. Yeah, uh, yes. Easy listening. Yes. Right. Nobody was rocking out, funking out. It was easy listening and, and jazzercise. But um, and they don't talk. And this this book Meridian talked about a woman who really didn't. She didn't let herself get too swept up in these movements. Like she was around people who were Panthers, who were extremists. She was in college, and people were coming up to her like Meridian, if, if are you down for the cause? Are you gonna are you gonna have these Molotov cocktails? Are you gonna set these fires? Are you gonna help us? You know, kill our mm -hmm. our enemies? And she's like, hell no. Nah. No, I'm here to learn this system, dismantle it, but I don't want to hurt anybody. And I'm so thankful I read this book because I feel like people do the same thing with Fury. They just hear somebody who's passionate, fire, just firecracker. Woo, we got to get her on board. But I, I really don't take a lot of sides. I don't, I don't just jump into anything because of that. I would have in my 20s. But in my 30s, you know, the more I get into into reading, and especially James Baldwin, mm. like I, I I got into James Baldwin probably like four years ago, five years ago, 
And he was someone who was not jumping on any bandwagons. He was someone who kind of took a backseat and watched so he could write about what's going on. And that's kind of what I wanted to make my standpoint. I don't want to be definite about anything. I'm, I'm unsure always. And it doesn't mean I don't have faith or I don't believe in anything, but you have to show me, you know, I have to see this progression um, before I'm just like, yes, I stand with this. And even then I'm still watching mm -hmm. for changes because things change so much and you don't want to get so hell bent on something that you can't see. You can't see that it could be a detriment yeah. to you, to the progress you want to make because you're so set in this way by these rules, by these doctrines that you are really missing the whole point and you, you've just become an oppressor. Well, I, trying to free yourself. You there's, know. there's something you said that, that really resonated with me, which is, you know, and maybe I'm just interpreting it incorrectly. Tell me if I'm wrong. But like at the end of the day, I don't think anger is necessarily a bad thing. Fury is not a bad thing. And in fact, in some ways, it shows that you care, right? It shows that you really, really care. However, it's 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 channeling that anger and that frustration in in a in a proper way that can be constructive and not deconstructive. Yeah. Right. And that's Absolutely. that's tough. Right. And I think that that probably part of that probably comes with age, too. Right. And, and more maturity and understanding. Um, I'm going to I'm going to fuel this frustration and anger in positive ways. Absolutely. Because like I said, I probably came up with the name Fury when I was like 19, 20. So it's like 13, 14 years ago. Mm. And really it was because of the way I rapped. I'm just like, man, mm -hmm. you sound mad. You sound, woof, woof. What's your problem? So it was nice. It was catchy. I like the sound of it. But, you know, I would look up the word. And the more I get into the definition of it, you know, there's wrath. Wrath is like, I'm burning everything down. I don't care who did what. I don't, everything has to go um, destroy it all. Mm -hmm. Fury is more focused. Fury is is channeled yeah i'm mad but i already know where this is going i know who i'm coming for um and to me that is like major because like i said uh, the bigger a fire burns it's gonna blaze out quick and just be burnt out and i didn't want to just be a pile of ashes i i know what fuels me i know what drains me and i know how to keep this cycle going i know when it's time to like take a break rest relax go chill with friends i know when it's time to hit the studio i know when it's time to watch the news i know when it's time to turn the news off um and i think that's something that my generation has really gotten good at mm -hmm. because it can get overwhelming all this information coming at you, it's going to make you frustrated to where you do kind of explode but i think fury is a more in tune way to get a way to get in tune with your anger so you don't take it out on the wrong person. So when you know it's fury, just know it's focused energy. Just know um, I put a lot of thought into this. What is making me mad? When do I get mad? Is it when this person comes around? Why did they say that? And part of it's anxiety. You know, we, we act like anger and anxiety aren't connected as well. Like all these emotions are passion and they're just going through you through different avenues. So it's about how are you going to get in tune or change your environment so you're not feeling this way. So when something does throw you off, mm -hmm. it's not going to totally, completely wreck your day, your your week, or your month. You can get back to that, you know, restart and calmness instantly. Because you're like, oh, you know what? 
or clearly they're going through something. Let me not take that to heart. Um, Mm -hmm. But you definitely have to grow into that state of mind, too. So speaking of calmness and state of mind um, and and clearly changing topics a little bit, what are you drinking tonight? It was funny. I was going to go with a different segue. I was going to say, speaking of what fuels you. I mean, so we were going two different angles. Ron and I we clearly, were. we've clearly done enough episodes. We've clearly done enough episodes that every it's like, how do we, how do we wordsmith this to get to the we next question? It. We'll get it there. So yeah, I said, what feels you? It. Anyway, what are you currently imbibing on? Yeah. Oh, you know, I have Crown Royal peach tea. Ooh. So I got put onto these like two years ago. It was my girl's yeah. birthday, and we just went into a random liquor store. They had these on display. I'm like, okay. Um, when I think of Crown Royal, I think of like what my mom used to drink with the damn, the purple bag. Like, yeah, I yeah. love the bags. Like, yep. hey, I can put my Legos in there. Can I get this? <laughs> <laughs> I was royal with it, okay? <laughs> but um, it's, it's, I love the peach. I think they have like a green apple flavor too. But um, it's real nice, goes down easy. I'm like two of these and I'm done. I think I'm at the point I don't need four, five, six of anything. I want something that's just going to, get me where I need to go. Well, yeah. and I bet you that's, I bet you that's very refreshing in the Chicago summers. Oh, absolutely. But I mean, I would just suck on an ice cube too. As long as it's cold. Um, but it doesn't quite give you the same goodness that something with alcohol. Oh no, does. not at all. I, I'm, I'm way more fun off, off this than ice cubes. <laughs> Love it. Well, so Ron, what are you working on over there? So today I'm having wild Turkey long branch and this has uh, mesquite barrel aging, and this is kind of like a weird, um, this is like a tie-in with Matthew McConaughey, where he wanted to kind of do, so he's basically like a brand ambassador for Wild Turkey, mm. and he wanted to bring some of his Texas history by saying, let's let's bring some Texas mesquite uh, barrel barrels, basically, to age it, and it gives it a really kind of cool flavor for a whiskey. So, what about you, Alex? What are you drinking? Well, you know, I was looking for my bottle of, of Few, which is a, a Chicago mm-hmm. distillery. I was going to have that because I like to pay mm-hmm. homage in some way, right, to the guest. Totally couldn't find it tonight. Totally, this is way not relevant at all, but it's a delicious beverage. It's called Corn Trooper. I've had this on the show before. Uh, it's it's um, it's a pretty strong flavor because it has um, such a high corn mash, but um, it is delicious. So. Uh, so, hey, last question of the round. You kind of touched on this a little bit. But I want to make sure you have time to respond to it again, if you'd like, is we always talk about how COVID has impacted our lives. Ron and I created this podcast. Um, and again, we like to think about it in a, in a more of a positive light, if possible. Right. Something that COVID, as horrible as it has been, that has maybe given you new perspective, new, new thoughts or maybe a new passion or project. Do you want to care to comment on that? Oh, absolutely. So, um with the shutdown as an artist everything was just stopped um everything so i know a lot of people who did like 10 projects during the shutdown i was not one of those people i'm just like just don't go crazy and make sure your daughter doesn't see you unraveling it was just Mm -hmm. important for me not to freak out because i couldn't imagine being a kid um going through school with the virtual school and all that so it was really you know she kept me on track to just make sure like okay let's just follow the guidelines let's just you know wear our mask go out be safe so that helped 
a lot. But with the shutdown, I was forced to stay home. And I live on the west side. I'm in Austin, which is a beautiful community, but it does have a lot of issues. You know, it's a lot of disinvestment, a lot of areas that haven't been touched um, or used since the, the 60s or the, the riots, you know, and Dr. King was killed. So it was always good when I can go out. You know, we're right next to Oak Park. You know, if I need anything, I can go right across the Oak Park. It's there. I can go up to Belmont Craig and there's restaurants, but that changes when, when you're just at home every day. You All you want to do is go outside, go for a walk in your neighborhood. And that's when you notice, man, there's not a lot of green spaces. And I lived, I used to live off of Chicago Avenue and Massasoit. And I, I saw that there was one big green lot and it was fenced off, you know? So it's like the, the, the places that are green or one was a garden, a community garden, but it, it just looked like it was never used. And that was fenced off. So I'm like, there's no parks, like restaurants that are have healthy options. Everything's just fried and um, just the same, like pizza puffs, just fried chicken and, and just not anything you want to eat every day. And it really made me ask, what's, what's going on? Why is it like this? I'm from the West Side, um, like home and square area. And so I grew up in like Garfield Park going to... Mm-hmm just see the area. So I know it, I'm a West Sider, but this is the first time that I had lived on the West Side. I moved here five years ago, um, almost six. And it was something I was kind of running from. And I'm honest about that. Cause you kind of felt, you felt by yourself. You just felt you have to know people, you have to know where you're going. And I didn't have those ties anymore. Like my family, wasn't there a lot of them moved out south or you know passed away and it was something I was kind of running from until the economy landed me here anyway and I did it because I did have a few family and some support here but I felt like I came came somewhere and just disappeared it's funny I had the exact same landlord and I used to live in Stone Park, which is near Melrose wow. Park and stores. And there's, every, man, there's everything. I was right off Mannheim and North Avenue. Everything is over there. Everything is accessible. And he's like, yeah, I have two West Side buildings. Either you can go to Garfield Park or you can go to Austin. And I was just like, I'm not going to Garfield Park because I was like, I just knew about it. And I'm like, well, Austin's right here. It's close to my daughter's school. She was already going to. Mm-hmm. Um, that's perfect. So... It wasn't until 2020 happened that I'm noticing, oh, my apartment's not great. It's really bad. Or the tug's peeling. And I noticed my landlord was not here every day. In my Stone Park apartment, he his office was there. So I can go across the parking lot and say, oh, this is, some, this is wrong. He's over that day or the next day. When I came to the west side, he would come in the morning, stick his money in the, the slot, get the rent checks, leave. Mm. And that was it. And it, that when I say I disappeared, I totally noticed the change. I noticed how he treated other tenants. I noticed just that you were ignored. Any repairs were not getting, it was cheap. You know, I'm like, I can't, you, you want to spray paint my tub. I'm like, I think I need a new tub underneath this paint. It looks like, you know, the gates of hell under here. <laughs> so, and the, the building was just super old. And that's really what got me passionate about getting involved in community work. I know that these landlords, they do this because who are you going to tell? You're going to call 311, wait for six months. You're at work. Even if they were to come inspect, we're just going to take off work. 
which you can't afford to do. So it was a lot forcing me to just go along and get along. 2020 changed. You know, people were getting unemployment. I made more unemployment than from working. Mm -hmm. I had time now to just be at home and and all the meetings were virtual. So if I wanted to to see a alderman meeting or just any kind of meeting, I can just Zoom or be a part of it and find out what's going on. And that's kind of when everything opened up and I started looking for networking opportunities. I reached out to Austin Chamber of Commerce and, and AAA, BNA, just all the organizations that came up saying, hey, we're stakeholders, we're coming up with a plan, but it wasn't easy. You know, there was a lot of who is she? Fury. Oh, a little rapper. You know, just that kind of mentality. Yeah. Like, what? who are you and what can you do? Which was like, ouch. But yeah. I just kept paying attention. I kept meeting people, having candid conversations. We didn't always see eye to eye, but I let them know, hey, I've been here already almost five years. Um, I want to know what's going on and I want right. to get a part of, be a part of things one answers. to help change it. Yeah. Yeah. You want answers. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and I don't mean to cut you off, but I want to I wanna mm-hmm. dive into this in more detail. And what I want to mm-hmm. do, if you don't mind, Fury, is I want to go to break. And when we come okay, back, sure. when we come back, we want to talk about your, your music career. But then, yeah, all that you've been doing with community activism, which seems like it all kind of in some ways was influenced by that 2020 year. Um, so Absolutely. what we're going to do, we're going to come back and we're going to get into all that. So we'll be right back, everybody. And Alex and I are back after a wonderful little mid-season hiatus. And we really are excited for what we have for the rest of the season for you all. And we're really also just very happy to continue to have our sponsorship with Malort. And we're also really just thankful to have you as a listener. So thank you again for listening to our show. And feel free to let your friends know about it. Thank you so much. And with that, we'll get right back into this episode. All right, welcome back to Between Two Studs. We're hanging out with Fury, and it's it's interesting. We, we definitely want to get into your music career. We want to talk about your community activism. But during break, uh, you and Ron all of a sudden got into a very excited conversation about X-Men. So I feel like we have to talk about it for a few minutes on the air. I, I think one of the things that this stemmed from was, was before we, we uh, in the first segment, we were talking about how you can appreciate art many years later. But then I also think you were talking about the parallels about the surface level of what X-Men was all about versus what it really was all about. So Fury, do you mind, why, why is X-Men so important to you and what are your thoughts of it? Um, well, I, I didn't start with the comics. It was the Fox Kids uh, cartoon I grew up on. And I was telling Ron, as watching it as an adult with my child, I noticed how mature the themes were. There there was some hard-hitting stuff about, you know, against prejudice, against bigotry, how we must learn to coexist. And, you know, as I was older, I learned that Stan Lee was basing this off the civil rights movement, off of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, who had two totally different views. One was just like, we can't live, you know, we're white people, we need to get away from them. Um, we can't trust them. And one was of peace. And we have to learn um, to work with them, to live with them, to build with them. We both share this planet. So it was a great way of kind of dealing with issues. Not everybody wants to hear about black and white. And and sometimes you have to do human and mutant. You have to, even with uh, Ray Bradbury, you have to do Martian 
Chronicles because when you take, you know, the Earth element or just the the reality out of things, you're able to really get free. I feel like a lot of people right. are trying to root. Otherwise, it's in. too close. It's yeah. too close. It's too close to home. It's too close, and you're kind of you've kind of shut part of yourself down just to keep your sanity. There's people who really don't want to talk about anything race related because they are just overwhelmed by it's hitting them constantly. Because now we're really trying to address everything right now. So they're just like, I can't. But if you were to change the scenery, change the setting, um, but it's the same themes, um, you can get reach a lot more people. And I feel like a lot of kids my age who watch these cartoons, X-Men, Spider-Man, um, it made us want to be superheroes. Mm-hmm. And I definitely feel that Fury is a superhero. Every time I get in the booth, you might, I can feel the cape. You know, I can feel the 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 responsibility. You know, it sounds it sounds funny, but I I, I believed it then as a teenager. Um, I believe it now as an adult who's actually getting involved, connecting with people, and bringing a lot of attention to a community who who really hasn't had much attention other than violence, carjackings. So it really did leave an impact on me. And I just would like to thank Fox and Stan Lee for for trusting children to take it in. And I think, like you said, art can, you can come back to it. And once you come back, every time you're gonna take something new and even better. And to watch it, you know, in my thirties, just loving the fact that, that they gave us a chance. It wasn't just like, Oh, it's kids. Let's just dumb it down. Oh no, this is too complicated. I feel like nowadays they would have said, "No, no, this is way too complicated. We don't want to." Uh, it's too. Uh, uh-uh. Stanley was like, "Uh, uh-uh. uh, we're getting these messages out. This is what X Men are about. Um, and these kids need to know it. So I just appreciate them trusting us enough to take it in and putting it out there." Yeah. No, I think one of the things that we were talking a little bit about during the break is that, um, to your point, like yes. Um, Magneto, he kind of represents um, Malcolm X. And yes, you have a Professor X, or Professor Xavier, right? Mm-hmm. Who represents really Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. And even like the legacy virus, that's the AIDS virus. And there's all of these things that, yeah, they're all kind of going on. And yes, they're in this fictitious world that in universe is separate. But I think that that's one of those things that makes it even all the more powerful is that um, yes, there is some commentary about this. And when you kind of remove a lot of the understandings that we have today and you just say, hey, if you were to think about this example in a separate universe where you have people who are mistreated because right. of the way that they are born mm-hmm. or because of a disease that affected them, right? All of a sudden all of the political understanding that we have in our current universe that we live in kind of starts to say, you know, that's, that's kind of, that's not a fair deal. Right. And I think that that was kind of the cool part about the way that they presented it on that show is. Well, that even an eight year old, right. right, An eight year old could watch that show and say, yeah, those are injustices. Right. Those are, those are things that aren't right. I don't want to be the bad guy. You know who the bad guy is. It's the one that's not even trying to hear your side. It's just they're trying to capture you, keep you separated, keep you um, under lock and key, you know, chained in some way um, and not letting you be free to roam around. And I, yeah. I definitely think kids, even today, they're smart. They're, they're even smarter than us. You know, they can use smartphones at, at one and two. You know, yeah. they, they, they know 
they have to be faster and quicker. And it's some stuff that we we know that doesn't make sense to them, but it's just because they have to learn so so much faster. We do too, because all this technology, it keeps coming. And some parts of it is making us more connected. You know, we can we can talk, but it's also everybody, it's so instant. <laughs> There's something you might tweet. Yeah. You need to say, you know, just wait, come down off right, of whatever, right. you know, you're on and just think before you put that out there. Because once you post, it, it's hard to take that back. And mm. and I think that's something we're becoming more mindful of. People are losing their jobs. They're losing credibility um, just from having instant access to the world and the world being able to know what's on your mind. It's like you might be feeling this, but... You may not mean this. It's just something you're saying because you're mad, you're angry. And so I think that's something we need to learn too is to tweet responsibly um, and just make sure you're not trying to like hurt anybody with this thought. You can express yourself, but I think we can tell who is out here just trying to keep up with the status quo. And I think seeing things like X-Men, like I said, that made me want to get involved. Like I, I'm powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's crazy how cartoons can make you feel like that, but I, it always felt like they were the ones telling us the truth. Like, no, you you are somebody, you are capable of great things. You know, um, one person can change the world they have. So I, I just love the fact that fantasy really helps us challenge reality and reality should always be challenged. Yeah. Well, and, and kind of with that, right, like your creative spirit is is able to be channeled through your music. And I, I definitely want to get into your your music career. Like, can you can you kind of ex- explain to us? You already talked to us um, about the acronym, right? Of Fury, finally understanding the real you. But can you talk about your music career? How you sort of got into it? I know you're very involved with the Chicago music scene, and I think it'd be really interesting for anyone listening, especially anyone who has aspirational dreams themselves of music. I started writing when I was 13, so it's been a good 20 years of me just putting pen to paper. High school, talent shows, I think it wasn't until I was 19 that I was like, maybe I can do this. I heard myself changing. Like, I would never let y'all hear my middle school rap. <laughs> You're not going to hear the high school rap. It's 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 embarrassing. Okay. It's lock and key. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. But I don't. I don't know. At some point, I just got more in the zone. And that's when I was like, oh, wow, this is something special. And I think that you need to let yourself suck for a while before you give Mm -hmm. something up. You know, I always had energy, that high energy. The lyricism wasn't always there. But the more I stayed at it, the more I'm like, I can do this. And what's crazy is becoming a mother that is what, that's when I got better. That's when I got yeah. furious. That's when I got fierce. Even though you were busier, you became a better Absolutely, artist. Absolutely, because I had, it feel, felt like more skin in the game. It felt like now I have a little one. So what are you going to show her? What are you going to tell her? It embarrassed me that I really didn't know too much about the world. I was 21, 22, 22 when I had my daughter. And just really didn't know whether I was coming or going. It became straight survival. Okay, work, 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 pay the bills. You know, it was a struggle to really find my creative lane. But 
going out to open mics, that was another thing that helped me to gain my confidence, finding a musical community. Um, the people I met seven, eight years ago doing the open mic, you know, my guy, Bowley Blaze, he was the one that let me bring back lyrics and libations. And that's the open mic we do weekly at Hairpin. And it really has opened another door for me because it gave me that confidence back. Pandemic took knocked me down took so much energy from me to where it felt like I was starting over. Like, how do I get back to doing shows? How do I get back in the studio, back to where I know I can be a top competitor, a top you know, artist? And the best thing I love about the open mic is that so many people come in, so many people come in and they are like, I haven't performed in two years. Or, you know, it's been a while. I don't know if I can still do it. Or this they're first timers. We got young people coming in 20, 21, 22, who are really trying to get in the game. And they just want to be in a welcoming atmosphere. So as an artist, personally, I think about my struggles as a young artist where I never really had a mentor. I never really knew how to navigate. The Chicago music scene is unlike any other. It's very segmented to where either you know or you don't know and it's hard to get in the know it's hard to really break into anywhere there's a lot of gatekeeping and a lot of artists leave Chicago because of that they go to LA they go to Atlanta go to New York and I knew I couldn't do that I knew I couldn't just up and leave I you know had a daughter have roots here I needed that support just to help me so I'm just like how can I make this happen here and with 2020, with the pandemic, I really chose to, to focus on community, whether it's a creative community, whether it's um, getting involved locally, civically, spreading information about programs just to help people who, who are going through tough times. So this is, this is like a brand new fury. It's like my music is very socially conscious, yeah. but I have never really been in social, you know, movements at all which kind of made me scratch my head too i'm like why aren't you a part of anything why and i'm like i don't even know where to get in who what's around here and the west side has that kind of weird it's so big yet so small there's just it's so much land space people but so many communities are so small and tight-knit to where if they don't know you they don't know you since you were a baby. They can be like, just side eye. Who are you? Yeah. So much has been taken. So much has been taken. So they're going to make you prove yourself. So this is me showing I've been here. I'm from here. Let me show you what I can do. And as soon as I saw an opportunity available, I went for it. Um, and with the grant, I ended up getting it. So it's like it's off to the races now. And if you well, like, and I want to get into that grant. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, Tom. could you tell us a little bit about that grant? I mean, one point five million, right? Yes, yes. So congratulations. Is, thank you, thank you. I am still floating on air. Um, I got yeah. the news early January. I submitted it in August, and it's called the Chicago Community Works Grant. It is from Mayor Lightfoot, an initiative to get programs. We'll get funding for construction in either like a city-owned lot, a city-owned park, or a library. So from networking with people in my community, I reached out Tina Augustus. She used to be president of Chamber of Commerce in Austin. She made the suggestion. She's like, oh, Fury, uh, do something with Columbus Park. She didn't really know mm -hmm. what, but she was like, nothing ever gets done there. And that's such a big 
it's historic. The more I learned about it, I looked it up. I'm like, wow, I learned about Jens, Jensen. Um, and it's on the National Registry of Parks, which you don't usually see in a city city park. Right. So it's it's soup. We have so much history in Austin. These these homes are 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 from Frank Lloyd Wright and um, Frederick uh, Nietzsche, I think his name mm-hmm. is. But um, there's so much history and beauty that's kind of been forgotten and and covered by just crime, debris, just the lack of investment um, and apathy, straight apathy. There's no other word I could think to describe the atmosphere around here is that you hear you need to figure it out because you're on your own. Ain't nobody coming. And it's it's mm-hmm. it's something that I definitely want to change. I want people to get more vocal about their experiences because now there is attention. 2020 brought civil unrest because people are tired and, and they, they're not hopeful. And when that happens, you're going to get kids who don't care. Mm-hmm. And for people to ask, what's to be done? You know, what, what can we do? And I'm just like, well, how about put them in a place that doesn't look like crap with trash and dirt and, you know, get them out of the gutter. If you want them to appreciate and value life, give them a beautiful life. Give them a life of quality. Don't ask. Well, and allow them to be proud of where they live. Yes. You know, there's history there. I'm from the West side. I didn't even know that neighborhoods had names. I thought Garfield park was the park. You know, I thought I didn't I didn't even know there was an Austin. I didn't know there was, you know, I didn't know I was in Holman Square. I'm just like, I'm out west. I'm out west. I'm on Polk and Kesey. And I think a lot of kids on the west and south sides, they are in this small box or they may they don't go downtown. You know, they mm-hmm. think Lake Michigan is an ocean to them because mm-hmm. you're just in this same, you know, one mile couple block radius and that's all you've known and it it makes you feel like you're a tourist in your own city you're like i live in chicago i live in chicago the chicago that chicago but people who aren't from here can tell me more about history and sights and sounds so that that's another way um you can fight crime we we have way we have money coming in, so it's like how can we put this towards you know beautifying it and giving them something to fight for? Nobody wants to defend trash. Yeah, well, in in that neighborhood of Austin, I, I remember before we recorded this, uh, I was doing some research because that's a neighborhood I don't know a whole lot about, and it's like, wait, Ernest Hemingway was born in Austin, or Oak right? Park. Like, so Oak Park is right next to us. So I, I walk past the Hemingway house. Oh, they love telling that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just it's amazing. It's all right there, right? There's so much history that people should be proud. Yeah. Um, and so you know, it's I think that's that's a great thing. That so so can you get into a little bit more of the details? So you applied for this grant, you won it, one and a half million dollars that will go towards uh, renovating the park, right, correct? Correct. So Columbus Park, uh, it's large. Half of it's uh, a golf course. They have a nine-hole course, um, which, mm-hmm. you know, people use, but there's so much. The rest of the park has gone underutilized. I know there's a beautiful walking trail. We have fields, you know, baseball fields. There's basketball court, tennis court. So the money will go to repaving, to to beautifying the walking trail. It's right across the street from Loretto Hospital. Um, so we want to help get people outside, encourage health, wellness. Like a lot of things about the shutdown is the lack of green space. 
And so we want to make sure that we're we're using this green space to activate the community. We we know people use it for family reunions, um, and we want more of that. We want festivals, concerts. Um, so some of the ideas that I proposed was an area for for um, food trucks mm-hmm. where they can pull up if there's a big event, and or we can have an event based on these food trucks and you know taste of Austin, anything like that to promote businesses to promote just economic development because that is what I'm interested in. I don't want to be a charity case. We don't want that. We want to we want to say we have money. We spend a hundred million or more just at the grocery store, Pete's, you know, just at, at at neighborhood grocery stores. We don't have here. We take it to Oak Park or we take it to, to Cicero. We take it to Berwyn. Um, we shop. But it's like we don't have that sense of, of pride in our community because we don't have the nice shops. And, and you guys come up with all these excuses why it's not here and it's not making us feel any better. So it's like something has to give. If we have a place where we can have businesses come, if you got a food truck and you're here and you do 2000 3000 at an event, you're going to say, I need to open a store in Austin. You know, so it's like we don't want to guilt businesses for not being here because we have to understand that they don't want to put themselves at risk for a community they know nothing about they're not going to take a chance and 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 go bankrupt for for places they don't know about so it's like how can we open the doors and get it in an out open environment get people out here um cultural events the the community um is changing from you know 90 percent 95% black to now we're probably down to like 83% black and 13% Hispanic. So, you know, that's always going to come with conflict because it's two different cultures. And a lot of times we're pitted against each other. So another part of my proposal is to have these cultural events so we can appreciate them. I love Mexican food. I love the music. I love the culture. I'm not trying to say, oh, no, y'all can't come into Austin. Y'all are not taking over. We need to figure out a way to make this change happen peacefully. And also look at how we can get more resources, have resource fairs here, job fairs. Columbus Park is gorgeous. Um, nature areas. There's a lagoon with where kids, they camp out at night. I, I talked to one of the officers. Uh, he works with the kids, Officer Martinez. And, and he was like, Fury, you know, can we put something for the kids, like a, a nature park to where it's a park, but it's like branches and stuff. You know, I've seen them up north where it's more like a log to where it doesn't disturb the integrity of the natural areas of the park. So, Um, I'm excited about the input we've been getting, and this is a project that the mayor wants finished by the end of this year. So it'll be a quick time. I was going to ask on the timing. End of the year. year, Yeah. So it's not. That's awesome. It's not like a lot of construction. It's more so adding benches, adding flowers, adding, you know, a lot of the stuff can be done hopefully by fall. um, So we can start using it immediately. And then, you know, concerts. I was like, I, I don't hide my agenda. I, I need music out here. This is what I'm about, right. and nothing unites people more. No, I think that's one of those things where I think one of the most important things that we all need, really, is you need to have a sense of pride about where you come from, right? Because if you have no connection to where you're from, right, there's no real motive for you to give back, and there's no real motive for you to even want to stay. And I know that you know, Alex and I were from Buffalo, and we we ended up moving out, but we still have a lot of pride about where we come from, and I think that that's such an important thing. It you is. Know, it's, it's amazing to see a park that 
really kind of showcases and says to everybody, this is why you need to check this out. This is why you need to be here. Because it really does bring the community together. Absolutely. Right? And it's like, I don't want to make it sound like there is no pride in Austin yeah. or on the West Side. Um, but I feel like it's more geared towards like, I've survived it. I'm tough because I live out here and I'm making it and I'm surviving out here. I think we're to the point where we don't want to survive anymore. We want to thrive. Right. We want to thrive. We want to thrive. And, yeah. and, you have to, and you want to be able to raise exactly, a family. Right. And, and these, they, oh my God, these homes are beautiful. These streets are tree lined. It's, it's absolutely gorgeous, but you can't appreciate it because we have to find ways to invest and, and so it's like, how do we get this program in? Columbus Park is a great place where people can come, connect, and really get to talking to each other, even if you're not comfortable going indoors yet. Some people aren't yeah. ready to go into auditoriums or have community meetings. So if we can we can have areas in the park where we can get together and have these discussions or maybe not even discuss it. We're kind of tired of talking about what's wrong as well. Just let stuff happen organically. Maybe we meet each other at a festival. Next thing you know, I got 10, 20 friends out here that I can hang with. Um, now we can build. I feel like another yeah. part of community work that's very annoying is that they just expect you to come together because we're all black or because we're all on the West side. And that is something that we need to change. We're not um, a monolith. We are different. Mm -hmm. We're diverse. And we need to find ways to highlight all blackness, all different, you know, from the conservative to the liberal, queer, all that. Because there's no real, it's it's really just like churches and churches and nonprofits. Mm -hmm. But it's just like, where so where's the, the LGBT scene? Where is the, you know, the queer scene? Where are the artists? Where are the musicians? And the current ones, who is taking over when all these older people are gone? And that's a question that has not been answered. And they don't like when you ask the question because it, it puts a mirror to them. Like, who have you mentored? Right. Who have you tried to hand no. the torch down? I don't do this for your own monument and your own legacy because legacy is something that has to flow. To me, it's not just you and your statue or mausoleum. Right. No, it, it's like, what did you show people and what systems did you create? You know, it, just exponential. It don't keep it just with you and your small circle. Well, and and when you think about what you've done, Fury, I don't want to make you blush, <laughs> but you think about the one and a half million dollars and this open mic that you do on Wednesdays, where you're able to bring it. You talked about it earlier, right? These 20, 21, 22 year old kids who may not have had, uh, may not have the the support otherwise, and definitely not the support that you had, right? And maybe you can help mentor them and help them grow. So I think that's that's incredible uh, that you're doing. And and I I do want to uh, pivot though, and because I, I know we're wrapping up towards the end of the show, and I understand that you recently got back into the studio, and I do want to talk about that because that must be super exciting. You've probably in your mind on pen and paper as you talked about, you've been coming up with with all new concepts and ideas and now you're going back into the studio and working on it talk to us about oh that. absolutely so this new project is going to be called fury revolution i'm like what else are you gonna call it <laughs> like it just feels like something big is coming on and it's also going to come with a documentary of 
I started oh, shooting cool. it. Yeah, I started shooting it last year um, with my nice. friend Grace Pasula. Um, she's actually, you know, a friend of Pogo. She's the one that introduced us. Uh, it was the video shoot I was on with her. So small and world. What's crazy is we started shooting it last um, last year, probably in March. And it's just me sitting, getting interviewed when I got started doing community work. And I didn't know what was going to happen. So our last time really sitting and talking was about, you know, eight or nine months ago. And now we get to fast forward here, which is going to be so cool to shoot. She's just going to be like, Fury, don't scream. (laughs) You know, I'm going to be so excited (laughs) because I can remember being like, what are you doing? Why are you putting yourself out here? I am very shy. Believe it or not, I hate rejection. I hate being ignored. And you get all of that. When you're new on a scene anywhere, people are just like, who are you? Who is she? Mm-hmm. Uh, but especially uh, especially in the West Side community, it's very, very, very guarded, segmented. And But I've always come like, you know what? Screw it. You know, you're going to know me. You're going to know who I am. I'm invested in this community. My kid goes to school here um I am ready to be active and I have a lot to bring with me you know it's not just music it's an energy that is is letting you know um we won't tolerate just anything so and that that's not just for black people any any friend I'm around or that knows me knows I will protect them I'm a protector and a defender and I just want people to know I'm not here to fight you I'm here to fight this system that makes you want to fight me or make makes everything new to you a threat that that's not a coincidence that is is on purpose you know that is what we have been raised around to keep us on guard and to keep us from peace peace of mind so i'm excited to to continue to record it's a great experience i have a new engineer as well her name's Ksenia, and she is awesome the music mm-hmm. we have been recording i've got two songs down finished um, the title track, and then there's a new song I just recorded Friday called Queen. And with that song, I'm really just talking about the word. You know, sometimes people say queen to you. They'd be like, hi, queen. How you doing, queen? And it kind of, it sounds like you might as well call me bitch because I can hear the tone. You know, it's like a, it's kind of like, it's mm-hmm. condescending. Sometimes they say queen and you know, they don't really respect you. They're just trying to... It's like passive-aggressive. Yeah, it's very passive-aggressive. So it's kind of one of those songs to to redefine the term. Um, 2020, I got into RuPaul's Drag Race. Heavy. And I mean, I watched like... I watched 12 seasons in like three months. I'm, and there's a lot of... Episodes. 12 seasons? Yes. That's insane. I love it. And I'm like, I can't believe I wasn't watching this. Between RuPaul... And Beyonce and Megan Thee Stallion, I knew I was going to be okay. <laughs> like, they just, all their projects. Oh, I can't forget Lil Nas X, too. Gave me yes. life to where, oh, my goodness, I just had a new awakening. And so I'm excited to get in the studio and just show, I don't even want to say a new me, but I'm definitely evolving. I'm definitely, you know, less of a purist. I used to be just like, oh, this is real hip hop. No, this is real hip. I don't do that anymore. You know, who am I to say what's real? If you feel it, it's real. And it's that simple. And we we want to act like we can gatekeep and, and tell people what to listen to. But you can't because if this inspires you well, more, take it. It's it's funny you say that because we, uh, we had another musician on a couple weeks ago. 
and he's a jazz musician. And he was like, I don't know. He's like, I don't even like when people say I'm a jazz musician because what is music is music, yeah. right? And it all bleeds together. And you're the best music is when you're not limited right. to saying, well, we have to be in this little, little area right here. Well, no, we're, I'm going to sample from over here. I'm going to take influences from over here. And I don't care what you want to call it. Right. And actually, you brought up Little Nas X earlier, and I don't know a whole lot about his music, but I'll say this. I was so um, I thought it was so cool that, a, you know, you, you'd think, oh, hip hop and country. Right. That's the song that made him yeah, big. Yeah, right. Yeah. You go those those two genres would never go together. Except guess what? He did make he it. Did, happen. And it worked so well. Right. And there's so many. And I think that's too. incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, we need more of that. Like, I need like like. You know, remix of like classic and like polka or whatever. Right. You know, whatever. I don't care, it's right? A like, fine line. Cause I remember like Nelly had this song with like Toby Keith or Keith Urban, one of the Keiths. And I was like, oh no, it was so, cause it's all in my head. Like that song. And I was like, yeah. I, I, I did not like that song. And I just felt like, Oh, I thought here they go again, just mixing everything. But I loved, I got a kid, so I had to hear Old Town Road. You know, kids loved it, loved it. Yeah. And it's like, it's it's like, I yeah, love- it was so fun. And you just love, you love seeing their excitement. Um, but what I love even more is his, his growth and development. Um, his last project was incredible. It was everything I've been looking for in rap from a, a masculine yet queer view. This is mm-hmm. something totally new. Like we have gay rappers now. It was not. I know. Isn't it amazing? It's and awesome. they're good. They're good. Yeah. He can out rap, you know, the, the top tier. He's up there. And not just that, but they're allowed to be strong and soft whenever they want. And it's just like, it's about time. And I feel like if more, you know, young, especially just to see a young black boy turn into a, a queer black man freely, I need these kids to see this. Like, we didn't have that. I, I grew up a huge Queen Latifah fan, still am. But, like, she's been private about her personal life. She, it was never out. She didn't talk about it in interviews. When they would ask questions, she kind of steered away from it. So, but, like, we all knew, but it kind of made, you know, us not talk about it. Oh, that's my personal life. Oh, let's let's stick to the music. Focus on the music. And I'm glad that artists don't have to do that anymore. Um, I'm glad that they're allowed to be more open because that's what music should should do. It should provide representation. And I love how there's more of a connection to artists and their fans. You can you can talk to somebody on Twitter. You look up and they just retweeted you or, you know, they're more accessible to where they they know what you're thinking. You know what they're thinking. So I love that as well. And just this new music will give people to see another side of me that you haven't seen. My last project came out in 2018. So that's four years ago. And that's that's why I'm, I'm, I'm excited. It's like starting over again, falling back in love with with why you got into this and it was making these connections and I could do so much more as Fury. I can I can and I'm not just rap. I'm not just a rapper because if you hear all my music, you hear rock, you hear jazz. There's a little bit of everything in there. Everything. And what helped was getting the band. I got I started playing with the live band in twenty seventeen. Um and ever since then I have been 
booked in just different venues, places that don't typically have rappers, you know, yeah. but they, they hear me, they, they see the band and it, it just really opened a new world to me to where, okay, now you want me now. I'm bringing the rest of my rap friends because <laughs> just know right. I'm right. right. Yeah. Yeah, we're coming. So I'm going to get in the door, but I'm going to leave it open because you guys are missing out. You're missing out thinking like rap is just, you know, it's going to bring a violent crowd, all that. No, you're missing out. Yeah. Rap is America's number one export. <laughs> it's the only thing we do make. It's, it's incredibly <laughs> inclusive. So many things. Yes. Well, speaking of that, I want to talk to you about, I won't right. So I won't has been featured and gentified in you know Netflix yeah. twice, which is awesome. But I also want to say I love like the piano riffs in there. It kind of reminds me of another artist. Uh, this is a Philadelphia artist. You may or may not have heard of them, Chitty Bang. Okay. So they did a really cool collaboration. Um, well, it was, they did a song called Ray Charles, right? Where you have a lot of the piano vibes that really just kind of come through really hard. And as I listened to it, I was like, heck yeah. Like, it just, there's a lot that comes through with that. Could you talk to us a little bit about that? Because yeah. it's an awesome song, by the way. Yes, I love it. It's one of my most popular songs. That's the song I'll, yeah. do, I'll be riding and I'll hear it on the radio from like Vocalo or Chirp Radio. Um, so Tom Caruana, he's in the UK. The producer's in the UK. I've never met him face to face. Hope to meet him one day. But my guy Blaze, uh, Bully Blaze, who I know from Lyrics and Libation, he's the one that like put us together. Tom sent me some tracks. Uh, and it's a very it's a very basic track because it doesn't really change. It's just dun 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 dun, but it's super yeah, simple. Yeah. And it's one of the the hardest songs I've had to write to because mm -hmm. it just it took me a minute to get the start in. And I remember when I was writing it. I would work out like in the mornings before work and I was on a treadmill. That's what helped mm -hmm. me start writing. And you could hear in the music, it sounds like an ultimate workout song, Jock Jam, Volume 29. It's just like, and it came to me, it sounds very like anthemish. As soon as that doom doom, as soon as that comes on, you know what time it is. And gentrified, I'm so glad that they they used it. It was my first placement ever, um, which made me really focused about making music that you can see in a movie. You know, I feel like my my music is very theatric anyway. It's telling a story, and it's it always has like this hero element to it. So it just encouraged me to keep writing. To, to fit something like that. This new music, I'm telling you, I could hear it in a Nike commercial, Adidas, you know, I could see Serena Williams wow. in it, like this new music. And I, yeah. I definitely will give you guys the exclusives when I get, you know, some more recorded. Um, Hell yeah. yeah. It, it, it's super exciting. Um, so I'm just like, you got to call it Fury Revolution. Like it's coming. <laughs> yeah. Well, and speaking of the Fury Revolution, uh, so for anyone listening who want to, who want to get in touch with you, who want to listen to your music, who want to follow when this album drops. How do we follow you? How do we keep, how do we keep in touch with you? Oh Fury? Well, yeah. You know, I like to keep it simple. So I'm on Instagram at Fury Hip Hop. Um, and then my website is furyhiphop.com. And it's funny, like people sometimes call me, even my girl Grace, we've been friends for years and she'll introduce me as Fury Hip Hop. And I'm like, <laughs> Grace, 
That is my Instagram. So it's like my first and last name now. Um, but Fury Hip Hop. And I'm just, I just take it as, well, maybe that's a, a genre. You just made your own genre. Now, are you listening to hip hop or are you listening to that Fury Hip Hop? So Fury I Oh, I love, I love that. that. I try to put a good spin on it. I like classic rock. And I like Fury Hip Hop. I'm telling you, it'll get you in. It'll get you in anywhere. So, yeah, the website. And I'm very active on social media. So you can search me, follow me, um, because I'm I'm getting better. I got a newsletter, too, on my website. So please subscribe. um, And I'll send you monthly updates of new shows or just ways you could get involved. Because I want people to be a part of this project. I I want listening sessions. I want art. You know, let me know what you think of this art design, this cover are for this project um because i'll be doing fundraising too so getting kickstarters going just so people could feel like hey this is my project look at this artist i'm supporting this is fury she gotta make it and like we want to be a part of helping her get to that level because I've, I've always hit this ceiling um and this is the time where i'm ready to break through uh heck yeah Willy Wonka style, you know, you're just like tired. You just you you glass elevator and just elevator is going boom. And so like this, this was definitely the grant really helped to catapult me into this like new level to where people are really taking me seriously. Like oh, now we want to see what she's got to say. And um, I'm like, don't worry, (laughs) I'm getting it ready now. That's amazing. Well, so we will obviously post. Uh, all of your links uh, in in you know on, on our page, and we're so excited for all that you're working on. Again, Fury, thank you so much for for being on uh, on the show, and we can't wait to have you back on uh, once your episode drops and our once sorry once your uh, once your album drops, and uh, we definitely can't wait to talk more with you um, after the the park is completed as oh, well. Oh, awesome! I'd love to come back and give an update. Yeah, I have I have more drinks great. too, so. I have a whole bar behind me. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you so much. All right, much. well, with that, thank you again. And until next mm-hmm. time, that's Between Two Thanks, Studs. Thanks, guys.